<laughs> Nothing. I'm not eating anything. I got the word of God ready to come forth, Tom. <laughs> Just consuming me. Uh, we are in the middle of our Advent series, and uh, Ben has done a great job structuring sermon series, and it gives us kind of uh, gives me like a space and a category and a theme to focus on the truths of God. And so um, today we're going to talk about the connection uh, during the Advent season, which we'll discuss a little bit further um, throughout this morning, but the connection between the Holy Spirit and joy. I don't know, three, four weeks ago, uh, God laid on my heart when, we were, when I was talking about joy, how thanksgiving and being aware of the gifts of God, being aware of the presence of God, and, and basically just acknowledging those things, uh, the... the the road of thanksgiving led to, to great joy in my life. And so this can be very similar, but I think it's another way that God gifts us, his, his people, with, with true Christian joy is through uh, purpose and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm going to read basically three scriptures that kind of make a, a pretty strong connection between joy and the Holy Spirit, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into to more. Uh, Acts 13, 52, and you guys aren't going to stand today. I told the first service, I'm going to have tons of scripture up here, um, just bouncing back and forth, so I don't want this to look like dynamic stretches. Um, so you guys can just sit tight and um, respect God within your heart. And if you're going to drown anything out, drown my voice out, and when the scripture is up here, uh, get in tune. So Acts 13, 52, this is when Paul and Barnabas are evangelizing Antioch, and there's tons of new converts to Christianity. And this is what they say of those new converts. It says, And the disciples, or followers of Jesus, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 10, 21, it's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is praying to the Father, and he is thanking him for revealing himself to people, and that their people are responding to the revelation of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's thanking God for this, and it says this, In that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced, in the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 14 is a, a chapter that Paul is discussing eating and drinking and how one honors one day and one honors another. One refrains from eating or drinking certain things and another eats and drinks certain things. And he's saying, do all to the glory of God. But this is what he says. He, he pulls out the main point. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so Advent means coming. And so the Christmas season, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ, born in the manger, born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, this is the Christmas story, right? And so we celebrate the coming. But Advent is also a time when, when Christians who know their Bibles and know God celebrate the second coming of Jesus. And so really, we are in a, a, a stage of waiting. And so as we wait for the second coming of Jesus, I believe as Christians that we have and can have great joy because God has given us a purpose in the waiting. That's what we're going to discuss a bit today. So if you guys are up for it, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit and... Holy Spirit, we call upon you now to grant us understanding of your truth. Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would speak through me. I pray that you would 
teach us and guide us and instruct us. I pray that you would protect us from lie and deception. I thank you that whether we're distracted by agendas or if I'm distracted by frustration or we're distracted by anxiety, that you have the power to overcome those things uh, bit by bit at times, but also to just remove us from those so that we can focus on you. And that's what we ask that you would do now. We are totally dependent upon you, um, but that is a great place to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. So if we break that down a little bit, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is the vehicle that we experience the love of God and it goes to the deepest part of who we are and it's given to us. So Christmas is a time, uh, a time of giving and receiving for most of us, that we give gifts, we receive gifts. Uh, there's a lot of hustle and bustle. There's a lot of different things and sometimes I know it's easy to get caught up in that, either the stress of the perfect gift or just fill in the list. Uh, or the temptation towards kind of materialism that we try to keep our kids from. But honestly, I love embracing Christmas. I love the tangible practice that we get that is, that is a shadow of eternity when we understand what it looks like to receive gifts and we understand what it looks like to give gifts. And so, again, I believe that while we're waiting for the second coming during Advent, that God has prepared a work for us to do and we learn to receive that and then a lot of that work is about giving. And so this holiday season as you give and as you receive let the joy of all of that be a pointer and a reminder to the, the full work of what God is doing. And actually I hope that even in the giving and receiving material things is spirit led, is, is, is glorifying to God. And I really believe it can be. So while we wait for the second coming, uh, my, my desire today is to focus on a couple things. That we certainly have been giving a, given a purpose and that we've been given the power to carry that purpose out. And I started to realize in my life how thankful I am that I have purpose. And purpose in and of itself can be scary when we'll talk about Honestly, when the purpose is expressing God to the world, it can be quite intimidating apart from God. But if your purpose and my purpose is to show the world what God has to say and God has given himself in the person of the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is the thing that's going to say it, then it's not intimidating, it's a joy. And so God is starting to make the connection for me how much joy and purpose are tethered together. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to break this down a little bit. This is so encouraging to me. For we, Christians, we are his workmanship. That word workmanship, the Greek word is poema. Comes, we get our word poem from this. And so if I asked you to write about your morning, you might, if it's just factual, you might say, well, I woke up. Uh, there was snow on the ground. I drove to church. I went to church. I drove home and I had lunch. 
and I would have an understanding of the facts of your day. But if I said, would you write a poem about your morning? You think about how much creative activity would start to take place in your heart and how much your brain would start to process and function and how you would, it, it requires intense and intentional focus of now how do I turn those facts, how do I turn that message into a beautiful piece of art? How do I turn that message into a poem? And so poems are beautiful. They are in very, very intentional. There's a cadence to them. There's a, a beauty to them. But there's a message that's being conveyed. So think about the heart of God as he is taking time to write his poem, which is you. Where you were intentionally labored over that the creative God of the universe took his time forming you and your personality and your gifts and your skill set in order to communicate a message. Earlier we sang essentially where Jesus is the word, the living word of God. And you think about what that means. God had something to say and so Jesus embodied God perfectly, the scriptures say, and expressed what God had to say in the way he lives. And so during the waiting, our purpose is that you and I are now the expression of what God has to say. That you are God's poem, his workmanship. The rest of the verse says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. Understand what it would be like if I truly embraced this fact of the joy that would fill my heart and the purpose that I have every single day. The, the way that I live my life ought to be a declaration that God is good, that God is loving, that God is sovereign and perfect, that God is creative, that God is merciful, that God is forgiving, that God is gracious. That's the message that we are here to communicate to put God on display. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 states it slightly different. It says, you are a letter from Christ. Listen to this part. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. So a workmanship, a poem, God's voice to the world, specific and intentional, that essential is the presence of God and the power of God for any of us to carry out our work. And the presence of God and the power of God have a name. It's the Holy Spirit. What God has called you to, he has equipped you for. What God has called you to, he has equipped you for. John Piper defines Christian joy this way. If we're going to make a connection and a link to the fact that I do have a purpose, that purpose is going to be realized and fulfilled in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when I understand those things, I will experience great joy. I think it's valuable to at least start to define joy a little bit. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul 
produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Another way to say it is there is a depth to joy, an anchor to joy, a weightiness to joy. It feels similar to happiness, but you know it comes from a more secure or even eternal place. It seems to have similarities attached to hope and peace. And one of the things that um, God continued to bring about for me as I was studying this is how tethered together hope and joy and peace are. Thinking of hope, um, C.S. Lewis pulls this out in a huge way when he, his writing, Surprised by Joy, was the story of kind of his introduction to Christ and beyond. But he talks about joy not as a satisfaction being realized, but almost as uh, an unsatisfaction or a longing, which is very interesting. But his point is there is this, he calls it this stabbing longing, but it produces an element of good and joy, and it's a longing for something otherworldly. There's this reality that, that entered into his heart as God was wooing him to himself, that the realities of heaven and the realities of God uh, left him slightly unsatisfied with the things of this earth. But as, he, as, as the Holy Spirit started to transfer his hope into those things more than his hope on earth, he was surprised by the element of joy in his life. And so what I've experienced in my life is how a conviction that God makes good on his promises, oftentimes here and oftentimes in the future, a conviction that all of those things are going to come true gives me great joy and it allows me to embrace and experience good things in life. I can celebrate Christmas as it points me to heaven and it drives me to a deeper reality but it also carries me through affliction. So as we're looking at the Holy Spirit, I think it's always good to see, well, how did Jesus and the Holy Spirit interact while he was on earth? Like, is there, is there things that I can learn from that interaction? Luke 3.22, pretty infamous when Jesus is being baptized. It says this, The Holy Spirit descended upon Christ in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So we get this picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. So that reminds me of, of kind of the geography of the relationship. The Holy Spirit comes and, and lands upon and takes up residence within. And then the power of the Holy Spirit is expressed. Luke 4.1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So many times scripture, when it talks about being full of the Holy Spirit, it's talking less about the geography, uh, like water in a glass, and talking more about uh, the idea of being controlled by, animated by. So when Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit led him to action. He went to the wilderness. So we get and understand that the Holy Spirit has... has one himself with Jesus, and again, the, the Trinity is on display all throughout the Bible where God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit are just working together. They all are credited for multiple things and similar things. Uh, and so it's awesome in my mind to watch how, how the Holy Spirit and Jesus dance, and it gives us a picture of what he's trying to do in our life. 
Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope, there's that word again, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So once again, recognize the beauty of if you have hope, you get peace and joy. It's hard to separate them. But the good news, it's, it's kind of a buy one, get two free. Hope produces joy. Hope produces peace. And you'll see over and over and over how they're tethered together. How about the Holy Spirit and the believer, those who have put their faith in Jesus? What's that relationship described like in Scripture? First, let's talk about the presence. Acts 2, 38. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's pause there for a second. So it talks about forgiveness before it introduces us into the presence of the Holy Spirit. In my mind, what Christ was doing was, I, I was not a fit container. I was not a fit house for the Holy Spirit to dwell in, for the Holy Spirit to live in because of the poison of my selfish, sinful heart. And so Jesus had to clean house. He had to remove my sin in order for the Holy Spirit to come and move in and take up residence so he can be about his work through me. So, Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. John 20, 22, And when he had said this, he, being Jesus, breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So again, what a great picture of understanding that this was not something we could do. The work and the purpose that I love that we have to carry out Christ's message to the world, to put God on display, is not something that we can just muster up and do. It's something that had to be given and done to us. This is grace. So Christ breathes on them and the Holy Spirit inhabits them. God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. It's much like a glove when a hand enters into it. All of a sudden the glove is animated and ready for work. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God. Keeps going. Ephesians 1.13 In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.14 By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So the presence, embracing the presence of the Holy Spirit produces tremendous joy, peace, hope, and embracing the power that the Holy Spirit wants to express through you produces tremendous joy, peace, and hope. And for me, all that has been wrapped up, at least in the last month, in the reality of I have been given a purpose, and I have been given the ability to carry that out by the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit has a few different names in Scripture. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
So this is an aspect when I am yielded to God, when I am surrendered to God, when I have my ear in tune to the Holy Spirit. You guys have experienced those times and those moments where all of a sudden he brings something in remembrance and you say something. Or he brings something in remembrance and you live something out. This can be as simple as be patient with your spouse. This can be as quick as don't provoke your children to anger. Submit to the authority placed over you. Over and over and over, all these things that you have heard throughout the years, and at the right time, in the right place, all of a sudden it comes to your mind. That's the Holy Spirit. And then we simply respond to that prodding, that leading, that teaching, and we experience joy and we produce joy in the environment that we're in. But you will receive power. This is Acts 1.18. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hebrews 2.4. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. To me this is the exciting part to be about a community. To have fellow believers that you live life with. To have friends. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit has been given to the believer, but that manifests the glory of God in different ways according to your personality, according to your upbringing, according to the opportunity you have, according to the skill set that God has written as a poem in you, the cadence of your life, the rhyme of your life, the beauty of your life. It's all going to have very similar themes of love and glorifying God and worship and surrender but it's going to express itself in such different ways. And there's certain people that bless you different ways that other people do. And there's certain people that teach me in ways that other people don't. God has placed in your life people who are encouragers. So when you need it, you're lifted up. God has placed people in my life that challenge me so that when I need it, I'm pressed down and humbled. And all these things are ways that uh, the Holy Spirit expresses himself the, the work of God in your life, this is how he builds his kingdom. This is how he creates an atmosphere for love and the reigning of God. My wife did an awesome job on her Christmas lights this year. We got all kinds of Christmas lights. A friend came over yesterday and he said, hey, I appreciate you flashing the emergency lights so I knew which house was yours. So it's pretty lit up. Uh, but we have many different color lights. Some of them are multicolored and some of them are that white. They all have the same source inside them. It's just a light, but there's different, how, it's housed in different colors. And as a result, it creates just this festive, joyful, celebratory atmosphere at our house. That's the church. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you and me. What a work while we wait. Most of the time, gifts cost the giver. I think we have 25 to 30 gifts under our tree. We got a lot of kids and a lot of family. Uh, but they cost something. Remember that. They cost something to provide those gifts. Now, I love giving gifts. I have a ton of joy. There's, there's certain gifts that it's like, well, I don't get that. But if I know it's going to create tons of joy in the, the receiver, I'm excited for them to open it. I love that aspect. I love seeing the joy on faces and like, ah, oh, perfect, yes. But it cost me something. And so I believe God is a giver. 
I believe God absolutely loves seeing delight in us. But it's so important for us to recognize part of that delight comes from purpose. Part of that delight comes from gifting, comes from the Holy Spirit. But it costs something. How does a person get empowered? How does a person take hold of their purpose? How is a person animated for the work of God? Hebrews 12.1 shows us not only how it came to be, but it gives us an example of how to carry this on, this story on. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings to us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So this is the waiting, right? This is Advent. We have a race. We have a work. It's going to take endurance while we wait for the second coming. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So your purpose, brothers and sisters in Christ, and the work that he has called you to, can only be carried out by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. And the necessary work for Jesus to clean house so that he could make a home within my heart. He could pour his love deep within me so that I would be a part of his narrative to carry on what God has to say. It cost him his life. And it's so good for me to remember that. But it's also so glorious to recognize and to accept that as Christ resurrected from the grave and gifted me with his spirit, there is a joyful work to be about in the waiting. And if we look at Jesus and what motivated him, and I would say what sustained and carried him in his affliction, in his knowledge that he was going to die and take on the sin of the world and be betrayed by everyone and be separated from the Father and experience the worst anguish that was, has ever been experienced, what motivated and carried him through that? It says, for the joy that was set before him. He hoped in the promises of God. He trusted in the promises of God. And God is asking us today to put our faith in the reality that he is coming again and that he is restoring all things. And he's asking us to put our faith and our hope in the reality that the Holy Spirit inhabits the believer. And he's asking us to put our faith in the reality that he is going to carry out his story through you. You have a deep and valuable purpose. Let's pray. Father, sometimes it can be uh, confusing to my mind how to carry out your work on earth but not rely on myself. And so I thank you for little pictures that you give us like receiving gifts at Christmas. I thank you for pictures of grace that you give us like, like how the earth receives rain. It does nothing but be available to receive rain and it produces tremendous, tremendous beauty. And that gives me some idea of what it looks like to simply receive your love, receive the new creation that you have made me, 
receive the call on my life, and then just allow the Holy Spirit to produce beauty. I thank you for tangible examples like that. Uh, I honor Gloria, your vehicle, that she has received your love. In times of affliction, it still produces joy in the hope that she has. She has received your love in times of favor and blessing, and it produces joy in the hope that she has. And so as a result of that, we are blessed. As a result of that, we experience God. And I pray each person in this room would come to understand that you crafted them for a purpose. And that that would empower them with such joy that they would bear tremendous fruit for your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Amen.